In today's episode, we discuss home improvement. Stand by, true believers. Another episode of You're Not My Father is here. Welcome back to You're Not My Father, the best family-friendly podcast from Alaska and this side of Anchorage. I'm your host, Thomas Brando Greenman. We're changing up the format a little bit, so we're just going to be jumping right into our content. And what content is that, you ask? Well, it's how to be a handy ran- handyman around the house and how to do some home improvement. I fixed like four things this weekend, so of course, that makes me an expert. Just kidding. But it does seem like it's that time of year where home improvement is popular. The cold is receding, the grass is growing, and the air is just right for drinking. I mean, working on your home. (laughs) So I've got this broken up into a couple of different sections. And so I think probably the most important thing, um, okay, maybe not the most important thing. It's just what I had on the list. So anyway, what we're going to talk about first is knowing... your home center. And so knowing your local home center, and when I say home center, that's like Lowe's or Home Depot. It's a big deal for many reasons. So sometimes you're searching for something um, is really kind of half the battle. And if you're not familiar with the place where you shop, it can be a challenge to find what you need. So since COVID, from my perspective, it seems like knowledgeable folks have kind of disappeared. They've been replaced with more warm bodies that are just kind of there. Now, most of my recent experiences with these store associates, they just kind of walk on past me without asking me if I need any help. Like I was at Home Depot the other day and two people just walked on past me. They they were two associates and they didn't even acknowledge my presence. So it's hard to say what you're gonna, your experience may be nowadays, but um, yeah, you know, just get to know your store. Because you might not be getting the help that you need. And so I tend to spend an extra time uh, whenever I go in to really kind of peruse the aisles. You know, if I've got time, get a thought for what future products, projects, (laughs) products, or needs I may have forgotten about. Or maybe something that uh, gives me an idea. It's kind of like searching Pinterest. You know, you're looking at things and thoughts and you're kind of getting ideas. And so sometimes this leads me to spending more than I normally would. Like if you went in and were looking for some bolts or screws and you come out with an air conditioner. <laughs> That's happened to me. Although I do make it a point, um, whenever I go in, I'm going to buy a tool. Maybe not every time, just about every time. And I think this is important. And this was advice that was passed down to me from other people who had gotten that advice from older people. And even if you don't need it or not, it's good to build up your tools in the beginning so you have them available later. 
And so completing a project safely and on time is usually not, it's usually stopped by not having the right tool for the job. So speaking of tools, having a wide selection of tools isn't mandatory or even necessary, but it sure can make things easier. There's plenty of jobs around your house that may have been a nightmare to do without the right tools. For example, me, I was replacing a ceiling light. Um, and if I did that with just a screwdriver and a knife and some electrical tape, could I have done it? Sure. Wouldn't have been pretty. Probably wouldn't have worked that great. And it sure as hell wouldn't have been easy. But having the right tools makes it a very doable job. And once you've done a few of these types of things, that return on investment on those tools is actually saving you money and time. But for most household stuff, I'd recommend that you have the basics. Now, I'm not going to give you a list of what, the, what I consider the basics. But, you know, things like having screwdrivers, Phillips head, flat tip, hammer, some screws, some bolts, that type of thing. Um, you know, there's plenty of list of like essential tools, but those types of things are, are really like every house should have those. As a matter of fact, you almost really should have those in your vehicle. Um, and you know, the more that you, you kind of take on, you know, you'll, I kind of like to buy tools for certain areas that I'm doing work in like bathrooms or, um, uh, mechanical or other type of stuff. Best Best one that I've done here recently is electrical equipment. Now, I don't like working on electrical stuff any more than most people do. And it's literally one of those things that can kill you if it's not done right. Um, so having, uh, for me, I've got an electrical box. I've got my own separate toolbox that has electrical stuff in there that I need. And so I really value that. And the last thing I want to do is work on something, something as serious as electricity, and skimp out on safety because I don't have something that I should have, like a voltage stick tester. Now, if you don't know what these are, these are like a little pin that will tell you if a circuit's hot. You know, when I say hot, it has electric electricity currently flowing through it. So these are um, these are really great. They're typically inexpensive, but I would say if you're going to have a house and you're going to do this, um, go ahead and buy something a little bit better. So there's uh, electrical tools, there's Klein tools, which are something that my dad was always a fan of and I've really liked as well, or Fluke. Now, one of these pen testers of this caliber will set you back about $20 or $40, but you can get some for like $10. Um, but when it comes to safety stuff, I always like to have something better. I really don't want to skimp out on that. So besides electricity, um, I've even got a box for just hanging pictures and shelves. Um, you know, there's a lot of great handy things out there that will level and mark your wall. Just that type of stuff, um, that kind of kit. So I got one of these. I think it was a Black & Decker. Um, I looked it up on Amazon, and it was really neat. So it came with um, a thing that would hold the screws in it and a level... And you could have these wings and it would mark it off. And so you kind of flap these wings out and it kind of adjust. And so essentially what you can do is you can mark and level at the same time for your shelf. And so it also had the screw. So essentially what you can do is you can level, you can mark, you can take the, the, 
the picture hanging equipment straight out of this box and do it all right there. So if you've got a hammer or whatever else, um, or drill, you're good to go. Um, pretty essential stuff. If you ask me, and if you ask my mother-in-law, she saw this and she was like, I've got to have one of these things. These things are great. Um, one of the other great things, um, and there can, they can be had pretty cheap. I got one of these off of Amazon. It's a, le a laser level. And so it's a box. And, um, what you do is you put it on like a tripod for like a camera or something, or just maybe a surface that is relatively high enough to where you want to have something hanging on a wall or you need to mark for. And it's self-leveling. So what you do is you unlock it to put it in its position. And so it'll kind of bubble around and float. And then once it gets to where it needs to be, you lock it. And that way it's locked in place. Now we did this with um, hanging some uh, curtain rod and curtains. There was a place where at our new house here, we, we uh, moved in. The curtain rod was not what we wanted. We wanted something a little bit more, something a little bit more, something a little bit better and something that could hold up blackout curtains. I think the, the curtains that they'd had down there were really light and kind of see-through. When you're having somebody visit you in Alaska and they're going to sleep on the couch or whatever else, just like every other bedroom in Alaska, you're going to want to have blackout curtains for the summertime. And why is that? Because nobody visits you in the wintertime. <laughs> so we use this. And so I took one of my camera um, tripods, <clears throat> cranked it up, put this on there, and we've got this nice level um, laser pointing exactly where we wanted to put those screws. And it was amazing. So I mean, essentially I didn't have to mark anything. I didn't have to scratch up the wall. It was just like, find the stud, put those holes in and away we went. It was fantastic. And I want to say that this was like 20, 30 bucks. So really cheap tool. So I've got all that in its own area, its own little box. And so that's totally, totally worth it. Um, anytime I need to do something like that, go get that box. And if somebody <laughs> hasn't taken something out of there and not put it back, which sometimes can happen, um, I've got pretty much everything I need to do. Um, you know, one thing I'll, I'll tell you about leveling while we're talking about that is sometimes <laughs> have you, let's put it this way. Have you ever leveled something and it didn't appear to be level at all? Now you're looking at it and you're like, this is level. Why does it look strange? And in all the living spaces I've, I've been in, I've noticed that there's some rooms or some things that this kind of phenomena shows up in, kind of creeps up on you. And um, when you end up trying to you get a little OCD about it, and you're really trying to figure it out. <clears throat> What I've found, and I've taken my level out and looked at the trim on the walls or at the ceiling and noticed it wasn't quite level or other things in the room weren't level, like, you know, the, the floor, maybe it's not level and, you know, the piece of furniture that I'm on isn't level because of that. Or maybe it's the piece of furniture. There's all kinds of different things it could be. So if it's something structural like your house where something isn't exactly level, 
you kind of run into a, a bit of an issue because you can't really change your house per se, or you could, but you know, who's going to do that? Um, what I've literally done in, in some of those cases is to try to take a measurement between what I'm hanging or, or what I'm putting up and what the difference is. So if I measure the distance between the floor and what I'm hanging and it's 35 inches, hypothetically on one side on the other side, it's 34 and a half. I need to make that adjustment. So it's something that you can do. Um, but obviously it's frustrating. Nobody really wants to deal with it, but, um, leveling things doesn't always have to be, doesn't always have to be in the level. If that makes sense. Sometimes you can make that adjustment yourself. Nobody's going to come in and, and criticize you and, or find you and say, that picture frame is unlevel. <laughs> now, maybe if you've got really crazy uh, in-laws, possibly, or a crazy spouse, maybe that could happen. But to sum it all up, tools are a great investment. And if you're like me, I like to keep them organized by a job type. And that's going to make things incredibly easy. Now, I'll also give you one more pro tip. So I live with my wife, and sometimes she will take tools and put them somewhere. Maybe she'll forget about them. Um, and it doesn't exactly help to be in the middle of a project, look for a tool, and somebody didn't put it back, and they've got no idea where it is. They're not going to help you find it, or maybe they'll look for it, but the end result is you don't know where it's at. So... This is probably not good advice, <laughs> um, but I'm going to give it anyway. Um, so in instances like this, like I'll give you a, a good example, stud finders. Stud finders are a tool that can be relatively cheap. And, um, you know, when you need one, you need one. And there's been plenty of times that I needed a stud finder and my wife did something with it and it's gone. She misplaced it and it's my problem. <laughs> um, so what I've done is, and this is totally not good advice, probably not any good relationship advice or anything like that. And certainly not good on your budget, but um, <laughs> I'll go out and I'll buy, well, the example of the stud finder, I was like, okay, so you lost it. I can't find it and I'm just stuck and I just, okay, if I need to complete this project, I need to go buy a new one. I'm like, okay. So every time something like this happens, I buy two. <laughs> At one point I used to tell her and now she kind of maybe expects it. I'm not really sure, but so I went out and got two stud finders. Well, wouldn't you know it? She lost both of those. So now I'm down three stud finders and I'm trying to do more projects. So at that point I went out and bought four and I told her, I'm not, I'm going to keep spending money <laughs> until you can figure out how to keep track of these tools. Again, I'm not saying I'm a smart man. I'm not saying that this is the best relationship advice or tool advice, but these stud finders were fairly cheap. And, and what I will say is that most of the electronic ones do not work consistently well, especially if you have textured walls or other stuff. So what did I get? 
I saw this online. And so it's, um, I, I forget what the, the specific thing is, but it's a small thing. And um, it's got a picture of a Viking on it. But it's a magnetic stud finder. Why a magnetic stud finder? Well, every stud has nails in it. And so those are made out of metal that will be attracted to a magnet. And so these are super strong. So what you do is you just kind of run it along the wall. Then as soon as it finds a nail, it will stick to it. It'll just grab it like hard. And so it's like, okay, there you go. But the neat thing about this is it actually has a level in it. And so you can twist the level to be vertically or horizontally aligned. And it's got a, a, a nice line there. So you can kind of, okay, well, this is the stud because there's a nail in the wall. And there you go. And so these things are great. Um, you know, the fantastic part is that if you have somebody that is losing them, magnets are great places, <laughs> great things to hide stuff in. So if you've got a refrigerator, so I'll, I'll put one of these on the refrigerator, which by the way, since it's a really strong magnet, it will keep any of your kids art stuck to that fridge incredibly well. Um, or you could put it on your desk and that type of stuff. But realistically, it should go in the toolbox. Okay. Rant over. <laughs> um, so what do you do since, I mean, you've, you've got a place that you can get materials from, you've got your tools. So what, what do you do with home improvement? What's, how do you get there? That type of thing. Well, in one of my most recent podcasts, we were talking about spring cleaning. And so in that, I mentioned that there's basic maintenance things that you should do around your house. Um, and so maintenance in itself is something essentially that you do to prevent things from breaking, burning up, failing, <laughs> exploding. Um, it can also extend the life of things out quite a bit. So you're, you're maintaining it. So therefore you're getting more use out of it. It's like a car. If you're not changing the oil or doing proper maintenance on it, it's probably not going to last you a long time. But uh, what do you do with your house when something's gone wrong? Well, so maintaining your house and just doing home improvement or fixing stuff, there's lots of great information out there. YouTube is a great place for that type of thing. There's tons of videos out there that you can watch and you can see exactly what to do to fix or perform maintenance on most common things around your house. And I recommend that you watch several. Don't take one video's advice. Watch two, three, four, five, maybe, and just see what the commonality is. Um, some people give good advice. Some people don't. Some people will tell you the whole story. Some people will tell you a little bit of it. So, you know, most of these clips don't take a long time. So do your research. But, you know, remember when I was saying that searching is half the battle? Well, you know, doing stuff with YouTube is no exception. Kind of the biggest problem that I've found is what do you call something that you don't really know the description for? And when it comes to plumbing and all kinds of types of things, it's hard to know. Like, for example, I still don't remember what it was, but I was fixing a plumbing thing. I had a broken spigot outside for water. And it was, uh, I wasn't used to it because you know, I've only been in Alaska for a while, I don't know, 14, 15 years. And there's still a lot of, about home ownership in frozen northern climates that I still don't know anything about. And so I guess it was an antifreeze spigot. And so it was just spraying water out of this cap in the top. And I don't know what this thing's called 
watched plenty of videos and it was like, go to Home Depot, get this specific part. And I was like, that's exactly what I need. But I didn't know what to call it. Well, luckily I had the video and it showed what I had. But in some cases, you know, you get lucky in finding something on YouTube and it's like, okay, there it is. You know, whatever I minced up as to what I thought this thing could be called, I found it. But if you don't, what do you do? Well, my advice is to get a book. And so whenever I was growing up, my father being the, you know, I'm kind of the byproduct of him. He was very big into having encyclopedias and all these different types of books. And he had this, essentially this book series on home maintenance. Now the six, seven year old version of me didn't give a rat's butt about <laughs> any of that. I didn't care. Like it was interesting. Some of the pictures and whatnot, but it was boring. I was like, Oh, kitchen cabinets. Oh, a, a sink. Not, not interesting to me at that age, but it got me thinking, I was like, what would my dad do? And so this made me think, okay, I need something like this. So I went to Amazon and I'll tell you exactly what I got. I got a copy. This is verbatim. The ultimate guide to home repair and improvement. Updated edition, proven money-saving projects, 3,400 photos and illustrations, creative homeowner, 600-page resource with 325 step-by-step -step DIY projects. All right, so that's a lot. <laughs> but I've got to say that, you know, in this book, and it was great. You can browse all these projects picture by picture, room by room, subject by subject, on a ton of things. And it's slightly older. You know, it's you can tell by the phones that they have in the book. It's like flip phones. Um, but things haven't changed that much when it comes to home improvement, home repair. And so a lot of the basics and even the advanced stuff is in that book. So having a visual reference that you can kind of flip through and be like, I need something in the bathroom. Let's go to the bathroom. Okay, here it is. And that's what it's called. Okay. And so in a time before YouTube, in a time before YouTube, in a time before people had phones, you had books. <laughs> and in those books were descriptions and pictures and diagrams. Anyway, you get, you get this up. You get the idea. But, um, I'll give you a warning about these kinds of things. Keep in mind that your skill and knowledge are the most powerful things you're going to possess. These books and videos, they're amazing. They're going to help you the most. And more importantly, they're going to help you more than any tool that I've told you about or anything else that, that you're buying at a home repair store. Um, so if you're on a tight bed budget, invest in your knowledge first. And, you know, plan your activities before spending a lot of money. You know, even with a tight budget, buying a tool periodically isn't going to break the bank. You'll end up using them eventually, and it's a smart investment. But don't spend all your money on a bunch of tools that you don't need right away. Be frugal about it. A little bit at a time. That's where you want to be. And so, like we mentioned in the spring cleaning episode, knowing what you can accomplish and when to call on a professional it's kind of a key part of that understanding. And for example, in my old house, we only had one bathroom and that bathroom was tiny. And so it was always a dream of ours to remodel it, and make it amazing. 
But if your bathroom's out of order, you know, like you can't do anything with it because you're, <laughs> you started a project and it's going to take several weeks. Living in that house is going to be next to impossible. Now, of course, if you live next to your family and you can use their bathroom and use their shower or you have a really cool neighbor or, um, you know, that type of stuff, you can handle those daily activities great. But if not, it's almost impossible. And for me, I really felt that I wasn't confident in my skills. I didn't have the budget to be able to just hire somebody to do it and go on vacation. Um, it was, uh, it sucked. Just didn't feel great. But now that I live in a house with two bathrooms, hey, I feel like that's something I would consider. But let's kind of roll back to calling in a, in a professional. You know, back then, if I was going to do something in my bathroom, I should realistically have called a professional. But what if it's something minor? Like another example, having septic tank issues. Or not septic tank, but just septic issues with pipes. Um, I had something that required some rotor rootering. Toilet wasn't flushing. It was backing up into the shower. And that's horrible. <laughs> and I watched some YouTube videos and I was, I was looking at stuff and I was like, this shouldn't be that hard. I've heard about people doing rotor rootering themselves with the snake and that type of stuff. And it, it seemed like it was possible. Very probable. Probably, probably 50 bucks. What for, for one of these snakes or whatever. And I'm looking at it and for something minor, like something in a sink or, or whatever, a snake can do a great job, but for a toilet and all this <laughs> sewer lines and everything, it wasn't looking too pretty. And when I say pretty, I mean like it could end up really bad and it could also be expensive. I mean, I think this tool was several hundred bucks. And for a moment, like I almost kind of thought, well, what if I spent a few hundred dollars or whatever, you know, is this going to be the last time I'll ever have this problem in this house? Maybe, maybe not. <clears throat> and so I watched one video and yeah, it was kind of like, totally, you could do this. No problem. You've got this. And then I started watching some other ones and it all seemed to be like, you could mess up your pipes <laughs> and that could be really expensive and all this other stuff. So I went out and I, and I got some, some estimates and even on the weekend, um, it ended up being like a hundred bucks to do it. And so it was way cheaper. It was way cleaner and it was just, it was the better thing to do. And, and whenever I was talking to them, they came out, I, I got some amazing tips on, on what they would recommend for that. Now, you're just kind of filing that information away for later. They mentioned that not all toilet paper is equal when it comes to your plumbing. And so a softer paper, like Angel Soft, it shreds as it goes through your, your pipes. <laughs> Doesn't clump like other ones. So some of them can kind of clump and jam up your pipes or whatever, but Angel Soft kind of shreds and it turns into little pieces of paper as opposed to big hunks. And um, he said that was a, a much more reliable way of taking care of your septic system. Cause I asked him, I was like, how can we do better maintenance on this type of thing? And so this was great. He gave me some great advice and angel soft is not a sponsor, but we do use angel soft because what do I care? <laughs> you know, 
I'm wiping my butt. Now, I don't have to have $100 to wipe my butt with. Um, <laughs> you know, as long as it's comfortable. And, and AngelSoft is fairly comfortable, so there you go. Um, but don't get me started on toilet paper. I really find the idea of cramming toilet paper <laughs> up your butt to clean it a little odd. I, I'm a fan of a bidet, but I haven't gone down that road yet. But I've thought about it several times. <clears throat> but anyway, let me give you a real world scenario of some home improvement that I've done. And incidentally, kind of what made me think about this episode was all the stuff I did this past Sunday. And so like most things, home improvement doesn't stem from, I'm going to take care of this today and I'm going to do it and I'm going to be proactive about it. A lot of times you're not going to do that. A lot of times it's a problem. So in a lot of ways, you're kind of like a fireman you're putting out a fire as opposed to being proactive and doing things. And that's why spring maintenance is a really great time to do proactive maintenance. But anyway, Sunday morning, I wake up, the bedroom feels really hot. That's peculiar. So in Alaska, the temperatures have been rising, but it shouldn't have rose that much. You know, it's still 25, 30 degrees in the morning to really heat up the house that much. And we typically keep the thermostat in our bedroom about 65 because we're kind of hot blooded and we like sleeping under a lot of covers. So I go to look at the thermostat. I'm just thinking maybe the kids have screwed around with it. This happens. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the display was blank. And so for more context, it's an older Honeywell thermostat. And so it's got buttons and it's got an old school LCD display. And when I say LCD, it's not, it's the old liquid crystal type stuff. Kind of like what you'd see in an old non-smartwatch. <clears throat> so it's pretty common. It's something you see all over the place, uh, but I'd never had to maintain one of those. Um, at my previous house, I installed a Nest smart thermostat. So I was familiar with that. And by the way, if you're installing a smart thermostat, more often than not, you will need a C wire. What's a C wire? It's a common wire. What does a common wire do? It passes low voltage to smart devices so it can charge them. A lot of smart devices require that. So if you're going to go down that road more often than not, and you're having to pull a wire, make sure it's got a C wire <laughs> or follow the advice of the manufacturer. Double check your wiring before you buy pro tip. Anyway, so this Honeywell thing, I've got the cover popped, popped off. It takes me about a minute to do that, but it comes off. I'm not trying to break anything. And so I'm looking at the wiring diagram. It doesn't appear to have a C wire, but I whip up my phone, take some pictures, make sure I'm not undoing something that shouldn't be done. Um, but I do tighten up some of the, the wires that are in that mounting bracket. But I'm looking at this and it, and it has a compartment for batteries, two double A's. So I'm like, okay, let's go replace those batteries. So I take them out and I notice one is leaking, typically when it's been there for a long time. And so if you've ever seen that, you know, the battery compartment can get kind of crusty and the battery can kind of get hard to pull out. And so that's what was going on. And so I figured fresh set of batteries, but guess what? Doesn't work. Doesn't come back on. So I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe it's corrosion. I suspected it. But I was lucky enough that the upstairs has its own thermostat. Same one. So I went and pulled this off. Go downstairs. Make sure that it's identical. Pop it in. It's working fine. I can request and then the heat comes on. 
So I know it's working and it's not a wiring problem. So this is good. You know, the house doesn't have some crazy cockamamie wiring problem that's going to cost me, you know, a ton of money and, and effort. Um, so I, I put the other thermostat back upstairs. So I come back down and I'm like, it's got to be corrosion. It's got to be. Now it's like eight, eight o'clock in the morning, seven thirty. I haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> and I want to fix this as soon as possible so I can get some coffee because I want to take a, a nice relaxing coffee morning type thing. Who, who doesn't want that? Um, so I keep pushing forward. Should I have done that? I should have probably gone and got my coffee and relax and then come back later. But I, I was adamant. I'm going to go ahead and do this. So I went to my guitar box because my guitar box has something unique in it. And what is that? It's a deoxid solution. That's the branding deoxid. And so what it does is beta remove corrosion. Um, now is it going to remove this? It's hard to tell, but I went and, and got that and tried it. Apparently there was too much corrosion on it. So I looked up YouTube, went and saw that there's vinegar that could possibly do that, but too much buildup. And so you could see it, you know, one of the terminals is nice, clean and polished. The other one is like rough and scaly. Um, so I went digging around in my guitar toolbox because I've got like these thin emery boards that are used for sanding and they're specific for you know, guitars and cleaning frets and polishing stuff or whatever. And as I'm going to find that, because I'm just like, well, I can just sand all this stuff off. This will probably take me a while, but I'll do it. I found my metal cleaning paste. Now I got this. It's some high end stuff because I wanted to polish the frets on my guitar, but it can also polish silver and jewelry and some other stuff. So I was like, this is supposed to be the bomb. So I put some on a Q-tip so I went to polishing that contact and it just started pulling all this crap right off. And so it got it really, really clean. Some of the metal was slightly damaged, you know, if you looked at it really close. But overall, it's in great shape. I pop in the batteries. The screen lights up. Hey, we're, we're back in business. So I reprogram it. I put it back in place. And of course... Nothing is ever really completely done until you test to make sure it's working. So I do that. It's pulling heat. It's working. Now, if I didn't have any of that experience or knowledge or tools or know where they would have been, who knows what I would have spent on this several hundred dollars buying a new thermostat, having some issues with the C-wire or doing other stuff. Who knows what it would have spent? And my whole day would have been ruined. But you know what? I got it done in less than 30 minutes. Then I finally got my coffee. And that was awesome. And so later that day, I fixed that busted water spigot that I was talking about. I went and found the parts. <laughs> no thanks to the Home Depot employees. <laughs> I fixed a faulty uh, security uh, floodlight and a few other things. And so overall, it was a great day. Um, but with a bit of knowledge and having the ability or, or the knowledge to know where to find and learn about these things. Um, it was easy to take tack on these projects and things. So overall, I probably spent probably an hour or less actually fixing stuff. Now, if you count the time that we wandered around Home Depot and looked at other stuff and chased after the kids, probably a little bit longer. But the moral of the story is 
if I can do it, you can do it. You've got the tools, <laughs> the knowledge. Maybe you have to buy a couple of tools, but uh, you can do it. There's a couple of sayings that I've heard that I really like. One of them is look both ways and go ahead. I think that was Daniel Boone. Or what you hear in the woodworking craft circles is measure twice, cut once. And so take that knowledge and do amazing things. Take care of your house. Um, something else I've, I've heard before is, you know, everyone came into this world as a baby. The only thing you knew back then was how to be a baby. Everything else you learned. Why not this? You can do it. All you've got to do is learn how to learn. Go find it. Get that knowledge. You've got this. So thanks again for tuning in to, to listen to our podcast. We're hoping to do some amazing things with this podcast. I think we're probably about ready to take a small break and jump into season four. Um, that may be a break. It may not be a break, but I think we've, we're going to move into a much more cleaner, easier format. <clears throat> you know, our podcast has evolved in the last three seasons quite dramatically. Um, we're investing in more equipment to make this sound better. So we don't really do it for the money. We do it just uh, because it's the right thing. And if you're listening to this, you're the reason why we do it. So um, be sure to subscribe to us. Get your weekly dose if you're not my father. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Now, if you found this podcast useful, please spread the word on social media. Tell your friends, your pets, anybody else who will listen. And we would love your feedback, your comments, your suggestions, anything that you could do to help steer our show a little bit better. We would welcome immensely. Actually, I'm begging you, please. We've never had anybody comment on our show specifically or give us a review or anything, but we look at the numbers. We know you keep coming back. So if you think about it, if you have a moment and you can leave a comment, go to our, our website, why NMF show. So why NMF show.com or follow us on our fit, our social media, leave us a comment. Even if it's just a thumbs up or a thumbs down, maybe a nice big heart, uh, remember, if you're a fan of us, we're a fan of you. Take it easy, stay positive, and remember, good vibes only.